Welcome to Foreground, a podcast about art and artists. In this episode, Foreground's Barbara Flommer interviews artist Amanda Reeves. You know, I always like to start with a little biographical information about the person I'm speaking to. So tell me a little bit about your background. I took a couple of art classes in college, some high-level, senior-level classes. But other than that, I kind of learned from a lot of my family who are artists. I have a cousin that was in a few galleries. What kind of galleries? Uh, uh, in Georgia. He's, oh, in Georgia. In some in Georgia, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What were your influences? I mean, I see that in your work there seems to be, to me, and I really am here to learn, there seems to be a real impact of graphic novels and that sort of uh, medium. Is that a, a fair assessment? Yes. It is. So tell me more about when you first started making art and what kind of art you made when you first started? I've always drawn a lot of character art, and my fondest memory when I first decided that I wanted to do it and really try and learn how to do it well was back when my mom was in the hospital, and I was sitting on the floor just kind of doodling, just kind of doing different things. My oldest cousin came, and she sat down beside me, and she started she was the one that actually started showing me how to shade correctly and kind of how to form a picture. Uh-huh. And from then, that's when I started writing stories and started coming up with a lot of stuff. It, it just kind of jump-started my creativity right. from then on. Like, I still have my artwork when it was nothing but stick figures. But it was one thing that I just kept going with, right? the drawing and the writing, and it just you know, kept mushing together as I went through school. Right. Kind of like an outlet. So I was an introvert. I was kind of to myself. Right. And it was my way to deal with stress, deal with school, deal with all different things. I would just go and I would just draw. As like as long as I had a pencil and a piece of paper, I was fine no matter where I was. <laughs> That's fantastic. When did your work start to take on its current appearance? Uh, you know, that it's new or its current thematic content in 2000 when I started college I had a lot of writer friends Mm -hmm. and that was when I got into learning about I grew up with Looney Tunes I grew up with you know the really short cartoons and I didn't know that I could do something that had a complex storyline with the type of artwork that I did until I got into college And the writer friends that I had, they were doing a lot of stuff. And it was like, well, I want to do something complicated, too. And I want to really push myself, too. And that was when I really started looking at my artwork and saying, what about all these drawings that you have means your style? What do people see when they really look at your art? And what people say, the thing that they notice about mine the most is the colors. Right. I said, you know, no matter what anybody else said, it's always the colors. I love your colors. I love the way you use colors. And so I built a world around the fact of the colors. Mm-hmm. I built an entire world around what they mean, what they do, how they make you feel, that kind of thing. And it just and built from that. So that was when I started saying, well, let me see just how far I can go with color. And right. I found out that I can actually use more colors than printers can print now. 
which is which is kind of fun. I actually use more shades than printers can print. How do you uh, compensate for that? I've learned how to tone down how many I use when I'm trying to make stuff to actually print. Because the first time I did a professional printing of my artwork, it looked at it and I'm like, well, this looks like a mess compared to what it was when it was on the computer. And also switching to doing color pencils and markers, which is the other medium that I like to do. I don't have as many shades when I go to traditional as I do digitally. And it's helped me to learn how to tone it down. It, oh. it, it taught me really fast how to tone it down. Right. Do you feel you lose anything when you have to do that? Uh, in, in terms of, like, impact and all that. Oh, no, not by impact. It's just me wanting to put as much color in there as I can. And I know I there is limitations. But as far as impact, no, not as far as impact. It takes me getting used to using traditional. I think that's that's my biggest thing. It's intimidating. <laughs> it's very intimidating. Well, now, does color reflect your message, do you think? Yes. The colors okay. do reflect the colors. Every picture that I do, the colors actually symbolize different things. They mean different things. I put them in places because of what they mean and what they represent. Can you talk about the representation and color and and you know how that all intertwines? Like for instance, the the main characters that I draw are actually angels who are based on colors. So they represent everything the color stands. So their entire where they live, their entire landscape is based on things that that are their color. They're based on you know, the purple hearts that we give the militaries in service. I have an angel for that that represents, okay, that honor, that bravery, that respect. I have the yellow spectrum, which is the music, because I always see, when I listen to music, I see yellow. So I was like, well, that's all the music that we listen to, all the things that, you know, calm us down, put us in different in moods. All that's in yellow. They have buildings with just that are made of musical notes, you know. Right. Each color just brings something like that, you know, the blue ribbons, the blue moons, the, you know, it's all physical manifestations in this world I've created because it's like these are things that we live with every day. These are things that we think about, some things that we, you know, we feel, we don't even you know, we really realize it, you know, and it serves a message because all of these things don't get along necessarily. You know, each one of us likes something different. We dislike different things. We're made up of different things, and every trait that we have can be traced back to a color. So it's that, okay, now these angels who represent everything that make us who we are have to learn to work together. Those likes and differences, those strengths and those weaknesses, they have to learn how to work together because to work together, that's the unity. And that's the main message that I try and get with my artwork is that no matter how different we are, we still need that unity. We still need to work together. We still need to come to something greater. And that's, that's the main thing I want from my artwork, something and, that everybody can relate to. Right. Um, do you actually, um, I'm trying to think of how do I want to say this because it's a concept to me, but it would seem to me that when you personally have an emotion, it invokes a color. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure that that's true for most people. Do you think it is? I don't think people really, they don't recognize it, 
but I've I've studied so much about colors, you know, from the fact restaurants, why they paint their restaurants certain colors, because certain colors in combination make you hungry. They make you want to, you know, come and go real quick. Why they paint walls blue because it's calming, you know. I've studied a lot of that, and it's a lot of stuff that, you know, people naturally don't think about, but it's there. Uh So if I can do a picture just of, you know, a blue and just saying, you know, these are, you know, your dreams, just reach, and the colors kind of invoke that, mm-hmm. whatever that mood is, it, it, it just helps it. So they wow. may not recognize it right offhand, but it's there. It is there. And do you think, I mean, I think this is a really fascinating topic, and I'm curious to know whether you, you think there's any sort of universal I don't want to say truth, but I'm going to say truth. <laughs> you know, any universal truth and how people who see color or who feel color see it. In other words, do you think people, because I don't feel color. I mean, I can go back and assign a color to, you know, when I'm sad, when I'm happy, but I don't necessarily see it the way you do. And I think it's kind of a gift. And so the people who have your gift, do you think that they see the same colors from the same emotions all the time or is it all depending on the human being? Depends on the color. Some colors are universal. You know, I've had the privilege of meeting other people who actually have characters that are based on colors. They actually see that kind of thing. And for the most part, certain colors, it's like a it's a universal agreement. And there's some like, well, I really don't feel it this way. I really don't feel it that way. It's just like some people put a certain color with other colors rather than one way or the other. And and it's a lot down to who you are. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example like the color amber. Some people might say that's the yellow. Other people say that's the orange or that's the brown. And it goes that way with feelings too. You know, you might feel that, that you know, it's yellow, so it's, you know, more, it's more music or, you know, no, it's more orange, so it's more spontaneous. You know, it's, it's up to that person how they see it. Right. But then there are some colors like red, everybody feels, okay, that is love, that is anger, that is passion. That's more right. universal. Right, so. right. Wow, it's really interesting. Tell me about the subtext of your artwork. I mean, I know that there is a, you have a faith-based religious undertone to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But how do you think the subtext of that and your, your creatures, your creations uh, come together? Well, from the basis of, I take from the idea that there are things that each one of us deal with. From my faith, we call them sins. Other faiths call them different things. But at the underlying point, it's, there are things that we all deal with. You know, we all deal with doubt. We all deal with fear. We all deal with anger and jealousy and those things. And, you know, it could be detrimental to a person's life. But from my perspective, we're taught to see the sin and not the sinner, but that's hard in this world. So I was like, well, what if I took those things and made beings of them? Something that you can actually see and look at face to face and take that with the angels that I already have that represent who we are and show, okay, this is how you can deal with these things. This is how you can deal with that. This is how you deal with fear. This is how they work. And you can actually go through the the motions of the characters as they as they are dealing with these things. And okay, this person fell. Look what happened to them. But this person overcame it. Look how they did it. Mm-hmm. These are the things that they're feeling. These are the things that they're doing. 
and then you see what what that does as far as the main fight of the angels versus those beings on that spiritual level. Right. You know, how their decisions are actually affecting that. And it's something of inspiration because that's what I want to get inspiration. We don't have enough of that in our world today. You know, you can't overcome it. You can change. You can do it. You just have to keep going. Try this. Try that. Recognize what you're going through for what it is and really see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um. So is that your goal uh, to inspire people and to sort of help them through tough times? That's been a main goal of mine for for all. People ask me, you know, you, you've, you've published novels, you've published comic books, you've done all this stuff. Are you in it for the money? And I said, no. If I was in it for the money, I wouldn't be here. I'm in it for the people who I've gotten that come back and say, you know what? I read your stuff, I got your stuff, and it helped me. Or, you know, I had one girl come and say, I'm reading it again, going through this, and I need to read it again and and try some of these things and get through it. And that's what I'm aiming for, uh-huh. to help people get through it. Uh, so it's a kind of psychological assist you're offering people. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the feedback you get. Do people reach out to you and say, this has influenced me in this way or that way? Or how do you get feedback? I do a lot of craft fairs each year. And I do a lot of them, I do the same ones every year so people know where they can actually find me. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten people who have come back and told me, you know, I read it and it helped me. I've had people see my artwork and start pouring out to me. Hugging me, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this. I really needed this. You know, I've always been the type of person that people have been drawn to 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 kind of tell their problems to, to kind of lend an ear to, that kind of thing. And this just extends it out a lot more. And I I get a lot of repeat people coming back Mm -hmm. and just, you know, they get invested. It's not, not only when the, in the psychological and the helping, they get invested in the characters, they get invested in the story. And it's like, oh, I, I actually really, really relate to this character or relate to that character. And they'll ask me, oh, well, can you tell me more about them? I say, oh, yeah, because I have more characters than I can count, but each one has a story. And I can pick each, any one and tell you in-depth story behind them. And because I know each one will, uh, somebody out there will relate to. And so I get a lot of that kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Do your characters evolve? In other words, do they continue to grow and change as your work progresses? Yes. Some more than others. They, they, they do. I've had one of my characters when I was writing the book actually went from being the villain to redeeming himself, and I never had planned it. So I have another character that actually planned to go that way to show that, you know, no matter how far away you think you've gotten, you can always turn out, you can always make a change, you can always change your life. Other ones may not change as much, but you see them accept different situations that have happened in their lives. You see them making up for past mistakes. You know, you see the ones that are heartbroken, get over it, you know, moving on and getting stronger. And 
I think that's a vital part of what I'm doing is, is you see it both ways. I've, I have characters that start out good, turn around and turn back, you know, because of things that have happened. And I think that's important to show not only all these people that are, you know, they start out bad and they turn out good, but, yeah, you can go the other way, too. Right. It's so interesting. Did, were you influenced either in the beginning or as you progressed in your artwork by graphic novels? And if so, can you tell me about that? Not by graphic novels, per se, but I was influenced by the uh, shows that I grew up watching. Uh Rainbow Bright was one of my biggest influences because, of course, the colors and everything. And I always looked at that cartoon when I was growing up, wondering where the rest of the character development was for the rest of the characters. I'm like, I see all these characters and all of them, they don't do anything with them. And then um, my high school was big on Sailor Moon, the anime. And, wow, you know, they they have all these in-depth background. They have all this in-depth story. And so by the time I got to college and got into, you know, other animes, other cartoons, I think the only graphic novels I really got into were Aspen comics. But I had so much, you know, things that I've I've watched over the years. I was like, oh, well, now I kind of have a background of what I can do, where I can take it. And it kind of opened up a lot of doors to my creativity back then. Hmm. That is so interesting. Tell me about your fan base. Uh, what about it? What do you What do you well, want I mean, to know? Who are they? Where are they from? I mean, is it localized to where you are in Texas, or do you find that there are people from you know Europe, or is it? I mean, I'm just curious to know who they are, where they come from, and how you. I mean, you've talked a little about your interactions when you're face to face, but in terms of the online presence, do you know much about your fan base? My fan base is mostly I get from ages 10 all the way up to adults. Uh-huh. Uh, they, a lot of them, they're not localized. They're okay. all over. I even have some fans in the UK. Always surprises me. I have a couple in Australia, but a lot here in the U.S. They are people who like... Uh, Pokemon, there are people who like to read, there are people who, uh, a lot of them are creative too, they're either writing, they're musicians, they're poets, there's some type of creativity within them, I've noticed a lot of them are, or they they used to, and I get a lot of, of them that, oh, I used to write, or I used to draw, or I used to do this and that, they're fun people, a lot of them, well, not a lot, I have a few of them that have uh, volunteered for me, um, doing voice acting for me. I've had some uh, create music for my world. Uh, I've had a lot of fan art, you know, a lot of artists, they'll go and do fan art for me. They're very supportive. They're very supportive. That's great. And uh, as far as online, well, they are my online presence. Uh, my biggest fan base is on DeviantArt, which is an artist community. I've been on there since 2003, uh-huh. and that's where a lot of people will know me from. I'm also on a lot of other ones, and those are slowly growing, but none of them are as big as that one. So that's where my main presence is right? as far as online. But the most memorable of my fan base are my 9- and 10-year-olds right? because they 
well, first they gravitate to the colors, but then uh, it's so awesome for the parents to come by and and I can say, oh, you know what? I gear this teens, I gear this for adults, but yeah, they can read it. There's nothing in them that they can't see. There's nothing in there that they can't read. And uh, a lot of people uh, have faulted me for that. And did you say faulted you for that? Yes, a lot of people have faulted me for that, saying that you know your stuff will never get get anywhere if you keep it so clean. And I'm like, no, I want my stuff for if a kid comes and picks it up. I don't want to be like, oh no no no, you can't see that. I want my stuff. Anybody can pick it up. Anybody can look through it. There's nothing in any of it that they can't see. And they go nuts. They go nuts over all the stuff, all the characters, all the colors. And it's some of my most memorable moments are with the younger ones. Do you think that the younger ones are picking up on the message, you know, that, or are they, are they just sort of experiencing it? And it's, this is not a bad thing, but I mean, do you think it's experiential in the sense that they just respond to the colors and the characters and the story and maybe aren't getting the message, or do you think they are getting the message? They start out with just the colors and everything, but they get the message. I've had one lady bought the comic, one of my comics that I did on um, how to deal with fear and bought it for her. She was nine back then. And she posted some pictures on Facebook. She said she, she read it all and she was trying to teach her, her cousins, you know, all the different things that the book had said, how to deal with fear and trying to tell her about it and, and she really got it. She actually read the novels, which are are the main things that are probably on a teen to adult level. She read mm-hmm. them, and um, and she understood it. She was like, "I'm ready for the next." One. And it's nice to know that they that they can get it. So right. it starts out with the colors, but then they get into it. They do get into it. So tell me about how you monetize this. How do you make money from this uh, endeavor? The comic books, I do sell. I sell prints of the artwork. I actually do a lot of toys. I make dolls. I've made jewelry. I actually do trading cards, coloring books. I have, of course, the novels. And I even, outside of the dolls and everything, I actually do a lot of um, custom stuff. Uh I have one one species of characters that really can be anything a person wants, and I'll actually do it, do customized ones of those. But for the most part, most of the monetization comes from the comic books and the dolls. People really, really get into that. Just starting the trading cards, trying to really get that running. I'm going to be starting a video game for them, for the world. So I know that'll bring in some things, and I know a lot of it, it's just getting more people into it, to just finding and broadening that. Right. I do a lot of craft. I do a lot of crafting behind and, it. And you're able to, to make this make, work out financially for yourself. Yeah, well, I have a full-time job, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this, like you know. Artists, like all good artists, you have to, <laughs> to support your art. Yeah, yeah but, um, but it's nice. Anything that I actually make from it goes into a savings account. It's just like, okay, 
that I can, you know, use to save it up. And it kind of shows me, oh, well, it's nice. I can see, you know, how much I actually did make from my passions. Right. And it's really not hindering hindering anything because it's just it's going to savings. Right. So that, that's fantastic. How do you alert your audience to when you're going to come out with a new story? Facebook. I'm on Twitter. And I actually have a mailing list. So, and I alert all three. Is it of interest to you to do a movie at some point or some sort of, um, you know, video, not a game, but a video presentation to see, well, I mean, I'm dating myself by saying CD, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I would love to. If it got turned into a movie or a cartoon, that would be great. Um, I'm hoping I can get one of my shorter stories done as an animated short. Right. I was blessed to meet somebody that does screenwriting and has done some productions. And I'm hoping it's fruitful and actually comes to pass, but I'm still working on that. So right. I just happen to meet the right people, well, that's <laughs> the right fantastic. person. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's like any artist ever, it's connecting the work with the person who can, you know, move it forward for you. And it, that's, Often the biggest challenge for for everybody in the in the uh, in the fine arts field. Mm-hmm. I've actually also done live performances. I did my own dance production back in 2010. It was based, based it was on the three, artwork. Mm-hmm, three dancers. Uh, we were dressed as the characters, and we did a live trailer for the first novel. Wow! So I did all of the choreography. Most of the costumes, you know, all the blocking, all the artwork and everything, put it all together. And we did three shows. And who was the audience? A lot of my church members, a lot of people that I knew, uh, people that were just interested in the books and, and just happened to come in that day. Because we did one at a bookstore. Just happened to come in that day and was like, oh, what's going on, you know, and just got that kind of audience. But a lot of local people. Right. It was based locally, and it was kind of a experiment to see if I could actually do it. Uh-huh. So I never tried to just do it all on my own before, mm-hmm. and it turned out really. It turned out really nice. It turned out really nice. I had a lot of fun, and, um, and pe- clearly people enjoyed it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I had questions for some audience participation, and I actually got it. So, wow. And uh, people came up to take pictures with. With us in costume and everything afterwards, it was really nice. It was a lot of fun. Well, so I, it's I, kind of bringing it to life. I think it's really uh, it's achievement, and I'm fascinated by it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about when you started, why you chose the choice of medium that you did, which is to say uh, colored pencils as opposed to, you know, paint or what something else? I mean, what was the attraction for you to those tools? Well, my main medium being digital was because my major was in computer science, so I was just naturally more comfortable with computers than anything else. Um, Taking the the couple art classes that I took kind of taught me how to use graphite and and pencil and everything, kind of how to say, but it was like, okay, I'm shading in black and white, which is like nails on a chalkboard for most people, for me. Uh Uh-huh. And I found, you know, colored pencils. Okay, there's the color that I I like, but kind of the same feel as graphite, which I learned in those classes. And it was like, okay, I can do this. 
I've done a little bit of acrylic on wood. Oh. And it doesn't come out quite as well, but it's something to try. I'm like, okay, I can kind of sort of feel this. It's just the color pencil and pencil and markers feel the same to me as working on the computer. So it just went hand in hand. Outside of that, it's, it's a whole different feel. So it's it's still a lot intimidating for me right. um, to try and kind of paint with the brush because I move my pencil and my color pencil just like I move my tablet for my computer. So it's a, it's a different uh, learning experience for paint and other things. So you Not to say I don't want to learn that. You do use an iPad on occasion to create some of these images. A tablet, yes. It's a, a digital tablet. It, just, it hooks up into the computer. You have a pen. It's, it's just like you're drawing on paper. Uh-huh. Only you're looking at the computer screen instead of looking down at your paper. Uh, you know, and you say that you have challenges with color. I would think that a tablet would give you sort of an infinite number of colors to choose from. I have the challenge with black and white. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I have a challenge with trying to just do graphite in those class in the class that I took was hard for me because I think in color. Right. So from black to white, it's like, well, what am I shading this with? I don't see enough to really do, you know, what a lot of people do with graphite with the black and white. Yeah. And most people are opposite. They're really good with pencil, but color tricks them up. And I've never been that way. So... I'm trying to do more black and white, more, and try and learn how to do that because it messes with my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I think this has been really interesting, and I appreciate your time so much. Is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to touch on before we uh, bring this to a close? No, I think I talked about a wide range of things. (laughs) (laughs) You did a good job.